That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him and that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood in the shore. Then he told them many things, saying in a parable, saying, A, far, a farmer went out to sh- sow his head as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and, s- the, uh, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell onto rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched uh, and withered because um, they didn't have no, uh, no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. 160 or 30 times um, what was so. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was there sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or perception comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but worries of this life and the deceitfulness deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word making it unfruitful but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it this is the one who uh, produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Father God, we thank you for the great opportunity that it is to come to your word today. And we thank you for uh, the fact that when you were here on earth through your son, you, you taught in parables, you taught in stories that people could understand, but also contained mysteries as well. And we thank you for your spirit that it helps us to understand those mysteries and pray as I talk today that you would help us to understand what you've got to say to each one of us through your spirit. Amen. Great. Well, I've got this slightly disconcerting thing where I can't actually see myself, but uh, I'm assuming that everyone can see me. So welcome everyone. Um, Welcome to uh, Kenneth Community Church today. And um, we're looking at uh, probably one of the greatest parables of them all which is the parable of the sower today. But before we go into it, I want to talk to you a moment about stories. Stories are a really powerful thing. Um, You probably, um, when you were a child, you probably played a a game, uh, which apparently is called Kim's Game, where we used to call it the objects on the tray, where someone goes out of the room, uh, uh, they, they bring a tray of objects back in, they put the objects on the tray back down and everyone has to uh, memorise those objects over the course of a couple of minutes. The tea towel is then put on the top, 
goes out the, the person goes out the room and then it's on, on you to actually then write down as many of those objects as you can think now i'll let you into a secret do you know the best way to play that game that's to concoct a story in your mind so you walk out of your house you walk down to the end of the road you walk past the post box you you walk you, you walk down a path and in each of those different places you place one of the objects and that is the surest way of remembering it ever since the beginning of time human beings have told stories as a way of mem mem remembering things and it's no coincidence when jesus was here on earth when he taught crowds he used stories now uh, this is a, a clip from um, back in 2012, eight years ago. Um, Anna and I were massively lucky to win tickets uh, to go and see the opening uh, ceremony of the Olympic Games. Uh, £20.12 tickets sitting on very much the back row. And um, what was incredible is, is that Britain had the world stage with the Olympics. And there, and there, they used stories to tell people about the history of Britain. Stories are a really powerful thing. So when Jesus told stories and he used parables, he did it in a way that people would have cause to think. They wouldn't just be stories for the sake of them, but they were stories where people could actually think to themselves about what was going on. But when we come to think about the parable of the sower, we have four different responses, if you like, to the seed that falls. And it brought to mind for me when I was growing up, not long after I'd become a Christian when I was about 12, I went to see my uh, grandmother uh, and I was full of all the enthusiasm of having just become a Christian. And I'll be honest with you, I did encounter some resistance that I wasn't really expecting. I found her cold hard to what I was saying and that was a, a bit of a surprise to me. I remember going off to university uh, and having a friend James who was who said he'd become a Christian who was really really enthusiastic but it fizzled out and then he said he wasn't a Christian anymore. And then a few years ago we had a lady who came along to Mighton Church who again became a Christian, started coming along to home group, it was brilliant. And then the worries of the world came upon her and she stopped coming to home group and she gradually fell away. And then finally, there was uh, a guy I knew who was the most unlikely person to become a Christian. And he's become a really strong, committed believer. Four different examples of people. Four different examples of how they responded to the word. And it leaves us with this question. If Jesus is God's king, why don't they all follow him? But the truth is, and Jesus taught this, is that actually when the word goes out, there is always a response, but it isn't always a response of repentance. In fact, what he taught is that there are four outcomes here. There's the hard response, the seed falling on the path where it doesn't take root at all. It's eaten by the birds. The shallow response where it takes root for a short time, but has no proper roots and is burnt up by the sun. 
the compromised ones, where it grows for a while but gets overtaken by the thorns. And finally, the one that falls on good ground. And as we look through these different scenarios, these different situations, we're going to ask three questions in each. Firstly, how do people react to the word of God? Secondly, why do people react in the way that they do? And thirdly, how should we react to each part of the parable? So firstly, looking at the hard ground. This is where the seed falls on the path and is eaten by the birds straight away. Now, we've probably come across people in our own lives where unfortunately this has happened. I talked about my grandmother. I remember times when I was at university, I was a law student and lawyers are terribly good at arguing. And there was, there was somewhere it was very much just in one ear, out the other. Um, really, really difficult. And why is that? What, 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 why, why do we get that response from time to time? Well, verse 19 actually has the answer to that. You know, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and is, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Because actually, this is the human reality, is that the normal state of people is not to understand. Verse 15, for this pe people's heart has become calloused. Uh, further back in verse 14, quoting from Isaiah, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. I've even come across people who uh, well, grew up in Christian homes, who, in, who went to school where Christian things were taught, but even their fam familiarity with it, they've got a contempt for it. And the truth is, this is the normal state of people. So actually hard ground is actually the thing that we should expect. A few years ago, um, I think it was back in about 2014, um, we went to the D-Day beaches in Normandy. This is Oliver, somewhat younger than he is uh, now, standing on the beach. And I, I must confess, I did get into some trouble with Anna for um, recreating the Allied soldiers landing on the beaches in a way to demonstrate to the boys actually what a difficult situation the Allied soldiers were in. Because although you don't quite, quite the impression from the photo, the German positions were all dug in in the sand dunes above the beach. They were in a terrific position uh, actually to, to look down uh, and, and to attack and, and launch a counteroffensive against the Allied soldiers who were landing on the beach. And Jonathan Pryke, uh, the preacher, once said, actually telling people about Jesus is spiritual warfare in many ways because many people are deeply dug in they're heavily defended and they've got strong air support from the powers of evil so you think well what's the point why do we bother well there's a really interesting book that i've been reading recently called unlikely converts it's only just come out by a guy called randy newman and in that book he talks about how through the Holy Spirit, the most unlikely people you would ever consider, the most hardened people, have turned to Jesus Christ. I've only got one story in my life where this happened. But my friend at school, who was probably one of the great, greatest atheists, the most hardened people that I know, who I thought one day, this guy is as far from knowing Jesus as anyone who I've ever known. Well, to my amazement, he rang me one day 
uh, just after university to tell me that he'd become a Christian. We must never give up hope because it is not us that is going to convert people. It's the Holy Spirit. We're simply the vessel for that. So we move on and we look at then the shallow ground, the shallow hearer. And we've probably all come across people in our time who maybe have made a profession of faith. And for a short time, it's briefly glorious, but they fall away very quickly. Some even call it the, the, what's known as the David Bowie effect. Remember David Bowie, who died in 2016? There's a, there's a whole theory that says that um, everything has gone wrong since David Bowie passed away. Um, obviously, there's differing views on, on what happened in 2016 in terms of the vote there. Um, but lots of, lots of things have happened since, since, since 2016, probably culminating in the present virus crisis that we're in. And, the, and, the, and there's a view that actually for some people, once they become a Christian, actually other things start to go wrong in their lives. And suddenly these are the things that can pull them away. It might be a relationship breakdown. It might be money worries. It might be a whole variety of things. And actually that, that is often the reality. That's often why people struggle because they actually they have to face trouble and persecution for the first time. In verse 20, it says, um, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. It's a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy. Sadly, we, we, we do see it amongst younger people as well. Um, those who were converted at camp. I, I've got a friend who was uh, at camp with Chris Martin, who, as many of you will know, is the lead singer of the band Coldplay. He made a profession of faith when he was a child. I, I don't know if he's a believer now. I don't think he is. But sadly, that, that is often quite common. Um, and, and it's something we, we, we must be aware of. So what can we do about it? Well, the truth is actually, and this is something this church believes in very strongly, it's discipleship. Because it will, whilst this will happen, if we can get alongside those who become believers and we can read the Bible with them, we can encourage them, we can help them when they will face that persecution that comes, that will really, really help. When I was a student, at university, uh, the, U the UCCF staff worker there decided to take me under his wing and read the Bible with me. And I really grew through that. And then I went uh, to do my postgraduate down in Oxford. And another guy also read the Bible with me as well. And by the end of that, that year, I was a much, much stronger, more grounded Christian, thanks to the, uh, the effort that those guys put into me. So when I went to Birmingham to start my new job, I then read the Bible with three other people and they've all gone on uh, in different ways to, to equip others. It's been a wonderful, wonderful chain of things that have happened. One of them has gone back to Zimbabwe and is really a rock in the local church there. Another guy has gone and set up a big church in Manchester and another guy is just a normal Christian carrying on his life, a, a solid member of his congregation. And that gives me great encouragement. And I know all of them have gone on to read the Bible with others and disciple people. So taking roots, helping people take roots is a really important part of that. Now, in case you were nodding off at this point, um, 
I'm just going to um, to pause there and just ask a couple of questions. So if you're there, a couple of you or, or, or by yourself you want, and you want to think about these things, I want you to just ask these two questions. How is evangelism like spiritual warfare? And secondly, how do we avoid being discouraged by hard and shallow responses? And if in your conversations you can think of anything that's really helpful, just share it with everybody using the chat button on your, um, on your computer. And we'll come back in a couple of minutes. So a great thing here from the Dowsons to say, we're not discouraged because Jesus forewarned us with this parable. That's a really, really good thought. And the Binghams have added as well that actually, if we approach people with love and not with criticism, actually, if we care for people, then that can make a huge difference as well. So thank you for those responses. That's, that's, really, that's really helpful. Thank you. And the Svartavanes, I'm not sure which Svartavane, I assume it's Luke, it could, could be Luke, it could be any of them. Don't give up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, James Brixey's just said, evangelism is like spiritual war warfare and that there is an enemy. And that's, that's true. We, we do have an enemy. And, um, and yet we know we have the greatest weapons in the world to support us. We have the Holy Spirit. So thank you, everybody. Um, we'll move on to the next the next point. So compromise by weeds. This is the third type. So the, uh, I don't know about you, but I, um, I remember when I went off to university that there were lots of people I came across who had grown up in Christian homes, um, had maybe been to youth groups as teenagers and had come along to university and were very enthusiastic, came along to the Christian Union in the first couple of weeks, and then you never saw them again. Well, there were others actually who became sort of Christians whilst at university and were quite enthusiastic, but then they seemed to fall away afterwards. Um, and, and you often see this in, in, in life, sadly. And what, what was at the root of it? Well, actually the truth was the worries, the temptations of life, probably are often are, they're most acute actually when you're at that age. Now you've got the opportunity to get on the career ladder. Uh, you've got the opportunity to start relationships and they can often squeeze things out. See, for the first two, um, what the hard ground and the shallow ground, it's pretty clear in both cases that, that, that these, these people are never Christians. Um, however, when they've been compromised by weeds, the, 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 there's, there's more of a question mark as to actually whether they were Christians or not. When we, when we see it in verse um, 22, it says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitness, deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So we've actually got a response here. The person has heard it, but the things of the world have choked it. I'm currently growing lettuces in my garden. This was taken yesterday. Um, it's very interesting, actually. When you, when you, when you start growing, growing lettuces, um, it's amazing how much more rapidly that I find the weeds grow than the lettuce plants themselves. So certainly in the early stages, you have to go around very diligently picking out all the weeds. Otherwise, they can overwhelm the lettuce plants very rapidly. 
the interesting thing you find is that once the lettuce plants have reached a certain size, the weeds don't tend to stand a chance. And there's a bit of a metaphor here for the Christian life. Spurgeon wrote a lot on the matter of wealth. He said, it's very difficult for a man to have much money running through his hands without some of it sticking. It's very sticky stuff. And when it's fixed to the hands, they're not clean in the sight of the Lord. Unless a man is able to use money without abusing it, accepting it as a talent lent to him, and not as a treasure given to him, it will soon happen that the more money he has, the more troubles he has. I believe that the Lord frequently tries us by the blessings that he sends us. That's a fact which is much overlooked. When a man is permitted to grow rich, what a trial of faith is hidden away in that condition. It's one of the severest of providential tests. Where I have known one man fail through poverty, I have known 50 men fail through riches. And that's the truth. And money is specifically mentioned in this passage as something that can pull us away. And it's something that we should definitely be aware of, particularly with younger Christians as well. Power is also a dangerous thing that we need to be aware of. And actually for us, there is a real warning sign here. Because the more we get pulled away by the world, the more that we spend our time um, chasing after the things of the world, the more unfruitful that we can become. Because actually the truth is, where our treasure lies is where our heart is. And actually, it's going back to the basics of prayer and going back to accountability with other Christians, regularly meeting with other Christians can really help us in this area and also help us as well to disciple and to lead those who've become Christians. Finally, then. We come onto fruitful ground. Verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 23. That the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a, co- a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. What an amazing thing. What a contrast to the natural state of human beings that we see set out in the words from Isaiah in the middle of this passage. Because this is not the natural state of people. That's a really important thing for us to take away from today. It is not the natural state of people to understand and to hear the word. Now, is God choosing the virtuous people? Absolutely not. In fact, God delights in using hard, unrepentant, difficult people to bestow his grace upon. Look at the Apostle Paul, one who delighted in persecuting Christians. (laughs) And, and, And yet he went on to become one of the great writers, the Apostle in the New Testament. Because it's a miracle when someone hears. It's an absolute miracle at work. 
the result of life-transforming life grace in our hearts, overcoming our sinful and rebellious nature is nothing short of a wonderful miracle. And what's, what's the nature, what, what's the outworking of this? Well, they produce a crop, and it's not just a crop of one, it's a crop of 160 or 30 times. Now, there's been much talked about um, R ratings, hasn't there, recently? About the rate of infection. If it goes above one, then this coronavirus thing is going to spread. And apparently it got as high as three in the UK, which led to the explosion of growth in March. But that's the thing about viruses. They compound the effect. And if they get below one, then they reduce. Here it's talking about the incredible compounding effect of the gospel. Because for every person who becomes a believer, they tell others that, that, uh, about this wonderful news and others get to hear about it. And that's the reason why Christianity is the biggest religion in the world today. Through that wonderful work of grace, working in this incredibly abundant way. We go back to my, my lettuces. They came from a tiny packet that I bought at Wilco's about three years ago for 60p. And yet I get lettuces every year in, in, that, in that seed tray. An amazing crop from that tiny little packet of seeds. And yet we know that actually if we neglect the garden, if we neglect ourselves, poor prayer life, not spending life time with God's word, not meeting up with God's people, we know that it actually becomes difficult to stay being fruitful. I've been quite challenged actually by reading this and preparing for this today because probably like all of you um, I go through times where um, my prayer life is good and I'm, I'm regularly reading the word and things are good but there are other times where things pull me away where life becomes harder I don't read the bible regularly I'm not praying regularly and I feel drier and more distant and the interesting thing that I've often discovered is that those little opportunities that I have to tell people about Jesus, the chance meetings with people sitting on benches in London or uh, traveling down on the train or talking to a work colleague, I've often found they tend to crop up, up more when, um, if, you, if you like, my prayer life is stronger. It's a really strange thing that happens. And I've been quite challenged to think as well is that not to get guilty about it, but actually to think, do you know what? It's such a privilege to come, in, to, to, to come into regular relationship with the creator of the universe that actually you know, I need to make sure my prayer life is stronger because um, that, that, that's the incredible thing is that we don't convert people. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. But we can be part of the chain of people that often brings it. It was, again, interesting reading this book, Unlikely Converts, that talked about how often it's 20 conversations that it actually can lead to someone becoming a believer. And we're just part of that chain. So a couple of challenges for us. You know, think about your own reactions to Jesus. How are you behaving him, behaving towards him in your life at the moment? Don't worry about what you've done in the past, because what's important is what you do from now. And ask God for his transforming grace. Just ask him to equip you with his Holy Spirit. And that you can keep on, ask, and, and, and keep on asking for this in your life. And that you can be a channel for him. And you can be a servant of him as a, as a believer. A couple of questions, um, not to pause now particularly, but, but to, just to ponder 
as, as, as we move on from today. Think of somebody you know who is fruitful. How do they show this? And what causes their fruitfulness? And secondly, and I appreciate it's really hard at the moment where we're not seeing each other face to face very much at all. But how can we help each other to be fruitful? Because we're created in community. We're created as God's people here today. How can we help each other to become fruitful? So in conclusion, just a few points just to summarise what I've said today and what we've learned from the passage. Firstly, we are in a battle. There's no question about it. The world is not going to make it easy. But we have a key role to play. Because amazingly, God is the one who asks us to spread the seed, to tell people about Jesus. And we won't always get the response that we want, but the miracle is that there are some who will respond. Thirdly, we're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit and we have each other to help. And then finally, and wonderfully, God is generous in his spiritual blessing. He will, he's an abundant generous God and what he starts in us can be multiplied many times over let's pray father God we thank you for your word we thank you for the reminder that we are not in this alone we thank you for the reminder that actually coming to know you in a personal faith is an absolute miracle it's not our natural state at all and we thank you for the fact that for those of us here to gather here today who know and love you are the beneficiaries of that miracle. We thank you for that. And we pray that we, our response to it wouldn't be just complacency or, or, or just a glib acceptance of that situation, but be one of, of just outpouring of love, of a desire to see others come to know you as their personal saviour. They would turn their backs on darkness, turn their backs on confusion and worry, but would turn to you. And just pray for those conversations that we have, particularly as we come out of lockdown and we start to see people more. Just pray you would give us the opportunities and give us an answer for those situations where we have an opportunity to share something about you. Amen. Amen.